The Actor CEO Podcast, Episode 16. It's great to have ideas coming into the room. It's great to come in and have something as a launch. Nothing wrong with that. The task is being sensitive enough to self to recognize when that idea is no longer serving. That idea was a step on the ladder and to recognize, okay, I'm on this step and that was very important to get me to this step. Oh, there's another step. But because it changes, it doesn't make the previous step wrong. And so we're so tempted when it shifts, we're going, oh, I guess that was a bad idea. No, 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 that got you here. Now stop looking back, look forward. Going up. You're an actor, but you're also a business. Take control of your career by learning how to manage it like a boss. Be driven, be responsible, be in control, be an actor CEO. And now your host, Mike Moreno. Hello and welcome once again to the Actor CEO Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this journey of learning, exploration, and dedication. If you want to keep getting these tips and tricks from industry pros, established actors, and hardworking artists, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. That way, when you're on the go to your next audition, commuting home from work, or at the gym, you can take a moment to listen and get some serious insight into building a better career by becoming an Actor CEO. Today is all about director dialogue. The best part of talking to a director is dissecting those elements that sometimes seem elusive for actors, either in the casting room or even when rehearsing a production. There are some tips that help us work more fully and streamline our creative process that one can learn through the long, hard path of experience. But today, we get the chance to discuss that process with a director who is always generous with his wealth of knowledge and vast experience. So listen up. My guest today is an extraordinarily accomplished director working across the country mounting plays for the Guthrie, Arena Stage, Folger Shakespeare Theater, the Mark Taper Forum, Pittsburgh Public Rep, Yale Rep, and Actors Theater of Louisville, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Also an associate artist at Cincinnati Rep and Milwaukee Rep, he still finds time to teach Linglater voice work in college acting programs all over. Let's say hello to Timothy Douglas. Timothy Douglas, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate you being here. Ah, my pleasure. Thank you. A little personal story. I mean, you've been such a wealth of uh, insight and experience for me. Um, we met just a little history here back at uh, Shakespeare and Company, and we were both in the same show. You are a very talented, brilliant director, but at that time you were acting in the show. And I remember that uh, it was so helpful for me in the amount of time that we spent together just to pick your brain and really gain from your experience in the theater, your experience uh, in the professional world. I was in MFA training at the time, and so I was in that transition of moving towards uh, coming out into the professional world. And I just found a lot of uh, a lot of real gems uh, that you were able to uh deliver and uh, and help me understand uh keep things in perspective so that's something that i've always appreciated about you you're very giving in that way and uh i thought you would be a perfect person to have on the podcast because of that oh that's very kind and i'm very really grateful to hear that and i and i think that for me it was a great time uh and i probably was chattier than i <laughs> normally would have been because it was a return to the stage for me after a 12-year absence and i was really um having quite a time and it was it was really great time for me as well. So I'm glad that it was useful to you. And thanks for listening to all my stories. Sure, of course. Absolutely. So uh, speaking of stories, uh, let's let's dive into uh, what it is that you you do. I mean, your your profession is a theater director and you travel the country. I mean, you are you're across across the country uh, working in uh, in theater and also um, 
an artistic director as well, isn't that correct? I, I was an artistic director briefly, and the right. bulk of my uh, theater career is as a freelance director, and I work all over the country, as you say, and I also have the opportunity to work overseas. Oh, fantastic. So what is it about directing for theater, uh, that medium, that you think is such a powerful way to express storytelling? Well, I mean, personally, it goes way back to uh, being very young and I fell into it as a way of uh, avoiding uh, or or buffering what I would describe as a very difficult childhood mm. who hasn't who hasn't had one but the way it manifested in me uh, was a very active fantasy life that as I got older uh, translated into experimenting with being in place when I was in high school and just dovetailed into um, going deeper and deeper and the profession found me and I've been very blessed uh, to make a career of it so literally it saved my life mm. and it's it's from that source and that platform um, that I continue to do it. And as long as I go, there's no bottom. I, I keep learning, I keep developing, I keep growing. And it appears, because I have a career, that um, my personal journey is useful to the world at large. And as long as that's true, I'll keep doing it, deepening and growing with it. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess in terms of the storytelling, I mean, I, through the work that I do, in essence, I'm just continuing to uh, unfold my own story as reflected by great dramatic work. And um, through the way that I work with actors, they're willing to be on the journey. And I hope and I glean that through the work that we're doing together, the people I work with are also telling their own story. Man, that's really great. Let me ask, considering that you have experience uh, overseas as well here uh, domestically, have you found that there is a tangible difference in theater uh, domestically as opposed to how it's expressed overseas? Or maybe there are some uh, really profound similarities? Well, the profound similarities, of course, an artist is an artist is an artist, mm -hmm. and any worth their salt and who to the degree that they know themselves, have um, infinite impact. So that's a given, at least in my very unscientific personal study. Sure. But, in, but in terms of the way that theater is put together, at the places that I've worked, I've worked uh, specifically in New Zealand and in Norway and in Germany. Right. The one big difference is that they actually rehearse plays. There is a va value put on... Uh, the linear time it takes to fully deepen and fully develop and fully absorb the story that's being told. Right. And when I work overseas, I have as much as three months to to from first rehearsal to first performance. Wow. Even, but even then, to, with the people I'm working with, that's rushed. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. And I and I, I it, what what I gleaned in terms of the value is that you, you work on it a couple of hours a day and then for a couple of weeks and then you put it away and you're working on other things and it's like a fine wine. It's mellowing, it's deepening, it's ripening. You come back to it and you have much more to work with and much more to bring to it. So it's not force-fed. It, right. it, is, it is the work, the characters, the play is allowed to develop in the way that humans develop. So it makes... In that light, it makes perfect sense, and it's such a treat to be able to work at uh, at the pace of actual human development instead of forcing it or dictating it. Yeah. So that's that's one difference and one valuable difference I found. And then the other is the professions themselves. In these other countries that I've worked, there is not this constant, bright, shining 
I'll call it a distraction mm. as it was for me when I was acting of this promise of a, of a glittering career, the mm. promise of the kind of money that can be made, uh, uh, in, on camera work, the, the, um, allure. And I, it was for me as well, the allure of commercial success, be it Broadway, national tour, mm. but being paid more than a living wage for the work we do as as actors and not feeling like we live alternative lives. In these other countries, artists are respected in the same way that a teacher is respected and the do a doctor is respected. It's not this alternative life and it doesn't seem like something that is so hard to make a living at. So without mm -hmm. that distraction or sense of desperation, an artist can just do their work. Right. And not wor worry about where the next job is coming from and really focus. And that just feeds into the purity of the art itself. So those are the two major differences I find working overseas. Is there anything that you bring to your work here domestically when you're directing to try and foster something close to that uh, relationship with the work and close to that relationship between the actors, that development, that human developmental side is there a way that you try to bring that into the work here yes uh, and and not so much you know actively bring it but all of my experiences have sort of developed who who i am and how i approach the work right. i i if I had to describe it, I would say mine is a very humanistic approach to the work. I am often described as an actor's director. Mm. And so, be, whatever that means. And I, and, and, well, and I part of it, of course, because my first primary career in the profession was as an actor. And so, I feel like I understand uh, what the actor's process is. And I tend to direct through that prism as opposed to what a director's approach would be. And, um, that has gotten me this far. So there's that. And then, uh, I know you know this, but I'm also a uh, Linklater voice instructor, mm -hmm. having been trained directly by Christian Linklater to teach the work. And, what I have absorbed as the philosophy to the approach of acting because of that work specifically also feeds directly into how I approach uh, directing. Um, and I could, you know, talk more about specifics of that, but that also falls under the umbrella of a humanistic approach. I don't believe I have a, an approach to directing or a style. Well, of course, I have a style, but the style is developed by someone else observing what I do in the room. But I don't go in with a very specific agenda of how it's going to go. Uh, right. We start. We start at the beginning, all of us, and I pay very close attention to uh, the actors that I've hired, their responses to the work. Uh, I'm very physically based, so I pay attention to how the body responds to the stimulus, how the emotional um, response. Uh, fires up in each individual actor and then the collective. I, right. I, I consider myself leading with the intuitive and it's about absorbing and gathering all of those stimuli and filtering them through what I believe the play that we happen to be working on is about. Of course, it's always going to be subjective. Right. Uh, but as long as I, I just keep the actors honest, I let them do whatever the heck they want, as long as it feels authentic, forward moving, and based on my understanding of the play that we're in the bounds mm -hmm. of what the playwright set out to tell. Other than that, it's pretty much a free for all. <laughs>
<laughs> well, let's start. I love that idea. Um, I mean, it, it, it excites me to like want to come in the room and work with you. So let's sort of uh, dive into what it's like to be in that room and in, in that rehearsal process. And I guess we're speaking specifically domestically now, where where a majority of your work takes place and where people can see your work uh, very readily. Mm-hmm. So I'm an actor in the room now. I'm an actor in your play and working with you. What are some of the ways that you have found to be the most productive for your actors? Like, what are the things that you want them to come in with and, and have the freedom to explore the, the priorities that you want for your your performers and the people as part of your process to keep in mind? Well, I will take it back one step. If mm-hmm. you've made it to the room, then you've auditioned for me. Right. And, when, and when you come to audition for me... Any actor who comes to audition for me, I get up and read with you. I am your scene partner, and I don't do it from a chair. I'm in the space with you. Wow. So, now, the, what, one of the reasons I do this, what, what I, the primary thing I'm looking for is, are you able to, in the moment, connect with me as you are doing your work? I am not so much interested in perfect choices. I'm not interested in what your performance energy would be like. But are you able to um, align with your understanding of the character, your understanding of the play? So bring that to the audition and actually connect with me. Not perform for me, but do it with me. I tell you that wipes out about 50% of the people who come to audition for me, having nothing to do with their talent, having nothing to do with their preparation, but having all to do with their innate sense of self and their ability to confidently stand with this stranger and do the work. As you're asked to do that first day of rehearsal, you're asked to be intimate intimate with someone that is a total stranger to you. What I'm looking for then is if you're able to connect with me, the theory is that by the time I cast the play, everyone has already had a very profound, similar experience before coming into the first rehearsal. And if you can connect with me, then the theory is you can readily already connect with every other person, whether you've ever met them or not. In that way, I'm actually starting in the middle of the process. Right. That that makes the process, you're, you're two steps ahead already. And you already know, like, if you can stand up to the director in the audition process, you've passed a very, you've, you've conquered a very big hurdle that you know how to work. So I'm not spending any rehearsal time trying to pull teeth or encourage you to, you know, be brave or anything like that. You've already done it. You've done the hardest part of the rehearsal process of standing up to me in the audition. So because I'm working with an entire cast of people who just have energy and nerve and bravery, we can start there. Uh, so, so you already have my attention. You have my confidence in your ability to work very well on your own. You have communicated to me. You don't need me to tell you what to do every step of the way. You're going to come with ideas. You're going to come with daring. Right. That's what I require. And so, um, and that's it. You know, once you've accepted that and once you've gotten to know the rest of the cast, pretty much you all are working on your own. And I'm like, you know, the, the nanny at the playground, I put you in the sandbox. Right. And I'm just going to make sure you don't hurt each other. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't eat the sand. Don't eat the sand. <laughs> <laughs> and learn your words. Use your words. Right. Wow. <laughs> Talking to you is always so, so exciting. That's such a great way to frame it. I mean, I think, uh, and your request for boldness in the room is something that, again, like that, that really inspires me. And I know the mistakes that I make sometimes 
are trying to craft something and then stick to the, you know, paint within the lines of this, this idea that I created. But often it's good to have those choices, but often I can box myself in and then not allow myself to bring my present authentic self in the room and be there working within the confines of the uh, script that we're, we've all agreed upon, but still allowing myself to be present, be ambitious and be bold about something and try something else and listen in that moment in a very clear way so that there's communication happening, not just repetition on my end. Exactly. So let's, let's take this concept one step further into the world of uh, classical work. Shakespeare, which is how you and I met, and uh, and you have a, a vast experience with it as well. Are there elements of what we've just been talking about, the actor bringing that boldness and that energy into the room and then into the uh, actual production, where that translates into Shakespeare as well? Are there hurdles that people have to jump over specifically with uh, that type of work? Uh, only any learned uh, perception of limitation or any uh, absorbed belief that somehow the the rigors of the language is beyond me mm. it, it's not true it's never true and if that shows up it's only because someone bought into the idea but not because it's true i direct everything exactly the same way the play tells me what it needs from it right and so everything i've said to this point that's exactly how we approach a shakespeare and all heightened text but once we really start getting into it just purely on a physical level, the structure of the language of Shakespeare demands more. It demands more muscle. It demands more presence. It demands more self right. to fully right. achieve it at the level of its construction. So it's about traveling further down the road of acting than I would working on Christopher Durang or working on Susan Laurie Parks, although she demands quite a lot. Uh, you know, it just means moving further down the road, but it's the same road I'm traveling. So in that sense, that's what it is. And it's about, you know, always being sensitive to self-stimulus. And it goes back to something that you just said that, and that I didn't address, that it's great to have uh, ideas coming into the room. It's great to come in and have something as a launch. Nothing wrong with that. The task is being sensitive enough to self to recognize when that idea is no longer serving. Mm. That idea was a step on the ladder. And to recognize, okay, I'm on this step, and that was very important to get me to this step. Oh, there's another step. You know, to look at, yes, okay, this step. So it constantly changes, and because, but because it changes, it doesn't make the previous step wrong. Right. Or, or bad. And so we're so tempted when it shifts, we're going, oh, I guess that was a bad idea. No, no, no. That got you here. Now stop looking back. Look forward. Um, so that's what I mean by the road. You know, the demands of classical text will reveal the next step that needs to be climbed. And our task is to just keep looking forward and responding to the stimulus that comes from within mm -hmm. that will take us on that next step and to resist the temptation to be distracted by an idea that is already old. Yes, so well said. 
Hey, Actor CEOs, Mike Moreno here talking directly to my listeners. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the podcast. I just want to take a second to remind you to sign up for our newsletter at ActorCEO.com slash newsletter. When you do, you'll get exclusive content delivered to your inbox on Monday alongside the episode release. It's a great way to add tools to your arsenal like an audition scene database, video tutorials with guests, deals on business cards and headshots, and many more that are only offered in the newsletter. Take your career to the next level and sign up at ActorCEO.com slash newsletter. Now back to the show. So let me ask this. Uh, this is something that I, as an actor, really want to drill into. What is, in your experience, some insight into how an actor can really listen for those telltale signs when it's time to take that next step, when you might be on something and there's there's another level that you can go to. Like you said, there's another rung that you can grab. You just need to sort of cross this threshold to move to that next point. Well, for me, the, the most effective way, and this was my journey and it's what I recommend to anyone who's curious, yeah. it's actually I step outside of the theater to approach what you just asked. <laughs> it was my conscious commitment to getting to know myself. For mm -hmm. me, it was therapy. It was uh, open to spirituality and metaphysics and formally studying with master teachers, uh, with literature that inspired uh, my right brain to constantly keep evolving. Right. And what I found with my work, that to the degree that I was really deepening within myself and coming to understand my self-motivations, how I operated in the world, uh, f uh, realizing the places where I can make conscious choices to change the way I responded to the world. To that degree, it was as if, with, in a direct parallel, my creativity was doing exactly the same thing. Mm. So to the degree that I was getting clearer with myself, automatically I was clearer in the work. So to specifically answer your question, I learned how to listen to myself, to the inner stimulus. Some of the more airy-fairy language around that is about, you know, terms like inner guides. Right. Uh, you know, be learning in the moment how to listen, not with a literal ear, but through sensation, through my emotional life. My feelings are always accurate. And I was working on the dictionary, the self-dictionary of how to define whatever particular emotion I was feeling. And once I adjusted the, lang the self-language, my emotions are always accurate. So in the moment of creating work, creating a character, I go through this all the time, both as an actor and as a director. An actor will say... Oh, this doesn't feel right. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, well, what's the feeling? Like, just describe the feeling itself. Well, here's what I'm feeling. Now, let's suspend the judgment of it. It is neither right or wrong. It is what it is. And attach your dialogue from the play to the feeling. Attach it directly without judgment. And let's get out the other side and then determine was that what that moment was about. 100% of the time, the sensation that I'm so tempted to call wrong only because it's different, mm -hmm. only because it was unexpected. But if I can just reserve judgment, don't call it right or wrong, just let it be, again, attach it to the scene at hand. What's happened is because of the very nature of the process of what you were doing, that's the next step for the character. Mm -hmm. It is not going to be something you recognize because it's new. Right. It's never been before. And you say... You want to be an actor who's in the moment, that's what in the moment feels like. And if you knew what it was, you're not in the moment. There's no way you could have experienced it before. So it's that very bizarre paradox of, on the one hand, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, 
But on the other hand, if I really want to be true to the moment, of course, I couldn't possibly know beforehand. So then this gets into the question. I, let me just stop for a moment to make sure that you're following this logic so far. Oh, yeah, I'm, wi I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, really, it's this, it's this whole openness, really, that we're talking about. And it's a, it's a thing that is it's tough to talk about because it is tough to master, too. And it's an always changing, always deepening thing. So I'm with you. Uh, I think people will be, too. So. All right. So the next step of that, usually the next question is, well, then, Tim, if I work that way, how do I ever uh, get a repeatable performance? How do I, you know, how is that even possible? Right. Fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. So there's two things to that. One is, as humans, one of the, one of the primary uh, responses as a human is we are desperate for repetition. Pattern seekers. Exactly. And yeah. we don't have to do that like that's just our mo we will do anything <laughs> to to package something or to you know to, to make it the same because there's safety in that exactly so that's my first safety that i that's how i can keep coming to rehearsal every day completely uh uncommitted to what happened yesterday on an emotional level but just show up start speaking the same text of the scene and let whatever comes up I promise all of my actors that whatever worked yesterday will come again today. Mm. And whatever didn't will have fallen off in the sleep. It will not ever show up again. I don't have to attend to that. If it's not working, it ain't coming back. So that, so, and what is working will keep showing up. That's how I will build my repeatable performance. That's how my blocking will remain the same throughout the run because I need it. It's right. too scary for me not to have a pattern. But my point is, I don't have to nail down the pattern. It will nail me down. So that's the first thing about how this is a, a very effective way of working. The other is we have the script. Sure. The script, the script tells us exactly what's going to happen. My being in a rehearsal of seven guitars, if I just keep showing up true to myself, not trying to nail it down, but let it keep showing up for me, I'm not going to start suddenly performing Gypsy. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so those are the two very pragmatic, profound, structural givens that will keep me from spinning out of space. And I can really just continue to pay attention to self from first rehearsal to the final performance. Absolutely. Tim, thank you for putting that in a perspective that that I can actually use. I mean, that's that's a very actually practical way to describe this this um like I was saying, this openness uh that an actor really wants to always be with, be bring into a rehearsal process and bring into a a performance process in a in a way that makes you feel like there are new things happening. You're listening always in, in present in the moment. But using the repeatable factors, whether it's the script, whether it's your blocking, whether it's you coming into rehearsal every day, uh, meeting the same people each time you do this show, yeah, those are the things that you can hold on to as the structure, as the pattern that reinforces your safety, and everything else you get to allow to just experience, allow to be new, uh, look for something new, look for... Uh, you're, you're, again, your openness. You're you're willing to listen in a new way, and all all the other stuff will uh, will support you. Exactly, man. That's a. I really appreciate that. That that has that's going to be something that I'm going to take with me. And let me offer just uh, one more thing, because then we, this is the other thing that comes up sure. often. And you're welcome. 
Thank you for listening. Yeah. The, um, that is to some that doesn't feel like enough. Um, mm. well, let me, let me just, let me back. What am I trying to say? Like I stand by everything we just talked about, but that doesn't mean that acting class is not necessary, that the voice classes and speech classes uh, are not necessary. Those skills classes and uh, or pr- practice or whatever you want to call it, warm-ups, things like that, it's like going to the gym. You, you know, you're working out, you're building muscles, and they are essential. But for me, every day of rehearsal and every performance is like running a marathon. And so when you start the marathon, you cannot be carrying the weights from the gym with you. Right. You cannot be doing sit-ups while running a marathon. That, of course, that's just ridiculous. So it's not that. So, yes, I'm all about the present moment and always being present while we're actually doing the work. But that doesn't mean you don't have to work out. And I and sometimes in in uh, less careful conversations, some perceive me as saying that it's just totally random in a crapshoot. You don't have to do that other work. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is you really can't be doing that work while you're in the midst of the creation itself. Right. And that goes all the way back to Stanislavski. Yeah. Saying saying exactly that, uh, you know, do your homework. Absolutely. Be prepared. Go to the gym. Like you said, do your work. But. Do not bring that homework on stage because then you're then you're doing that and you're not yeah. you're not actually doing your job. Oh man, so well said. Thank you for that clarity. Do you have a favorite plays or favorite types of work that you like to explore that you really enjoy telling those types of stories on stage? You know, that's right up there with asking a parent who your favorite child is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and 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 what I've been realizing, what I've been experiencing these last several years, yeah. is each. Each production ends up being my personal best, oh, and, and I'm doing all different kinds of genres. So you know, the it's the answer is no. That said, because of the trajectory of my career, for whatever reason, I so rarely get to direct comedy. Oh, and I love it so. So whenever I get to do a comedy, I'm, I'm particularly. Um, it's a treat. Yeah, a real big treat. <laughs> wow, that's nice. Uh, so let's talk about, I guess, some more practical issues of, of connecting with actors just in terms of uh, the business. You know, the show is very much about the actor being in charge of their own business because that is a, a requirement of this industry and being the CEO of that business. And so what have you found to be the best ways for actors to reach out to you to keep you updated with what they're doing? Um, are there best practices in terms of yeah, in terms of uh, staying connected with you professionally, well, social media has really solved that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so both uh, people, uh, total strangers, all the way to people with whom I work a lot, uh, the the consistent link seems to be uh, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, many I've never worked with before who. Uh, just sort of know me by work and reputation, reach out and and I think that's okay. I don't have I don't have a problem with that. And often uh I will you know, people ask me to be considered to audition for something they know that I have coming up. And I yeah, as long as there's room and the cursory resume makes it clear that, you know, they they they're up for the experience if if they were cast. Mm-hmm. I absolutely see people. That's fine. I, I honor that. I, I have, I owe a lot to my own moxie and just indiscriminately reaching out to uh, people who took a chance on me, let me in the room. And so I feel I have to, um, I feel compelled to do that in return. And the only hesitation is just, just simply 
time and space limitation. Of course. Yeah, right. but I uh, so but again, I don't speak for all directors. I mean, everyone's different, but I'm uh, that's that works for me. That's fantastic, and the personal works as well. You know, I I particularly humbled and warmed when I run into people who have seen my work. I don't know who's seeing my work for the most part, and who respond to it in a way that was meaningful for them. And when they just come up to me and express that to me, oh, that just does me in every single time. <laughs> so that's great. Really appreciate it. You know, I'm a I'm an artist at heart. I'm a I'm a uh, just as insecure an artist as everyone else, and it just right. means the world to me that personal, direct look in the eye. Your work, I really appreciate it. It meant something to me. Ah, oh, that's that's just nothing better. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, uh, everybody listening would uh, 100% agree with you. <laughs> so let me ask this: Is there when? say somebody does reach out to you, whether it's with the resume or whatnot, are there elements that you find to be really useful for you in terms of researching this actor, whether it's IMDb or whether it's uh, just the resume or whether it's a, a website? Are there elements that you find to be really useful that can help you uh, get a sense of who they are very quickly? Yeah, it's the, I mean, it seems like everyone has a website these days, so that's sure. that's great tool. Uh, and even if the website contains nothing more than a picture and a resume, that's, that's totally useful. Mm. Um, and, and I do look at a resume mainly, you know, it's interesting when people come to audition for me, I don't look at the resume. I don't want to be influenced by whatever my judgment about their training is, whether it was at a conservatory or a studio or just by doing, I don't, but you know, I'm, I'm, um, a product of this culture as well. And so I don't want to limit myself with the individual. So I try not to look at the resume until I've had an audition. And if I'm interested, then I take a look and see what's there. And really what I'm looking for, yes, have you done work prior that's uh, similar to this play or uh, demands the same kind of things this play demands? But what I'm really looking for is the immediate connection. Have you worked with someone or worked somewhere with whom I have a relationship? And then I get a real hit on the individual. And it also gives me the opportunity, if I'm really interested, I can contact someone. And please, to all of your listeners, yes, we do that all the time. I cannot tell you how many calls I get from directors, colleagues, who, that I don't even know. Just know me rep reputation and say, oh, I see you've worked with so-and-so. I'm considering them for this role. What, what can you tell me? That happens all the time. Right. <laughs> Just so you know. If you're going to put something on your resume, you know, be sure that you, you, you remember all of it. How were you during that rehearsal process? Right. How, how were they? Now, sometimes, you know, the, the director is a total asshole, you know, and, and right. shit happens. And sometimes the uh, reputation, the, the uh, responsibility for perhaps an unpleasant encounter might unjustly fall on the actor when it was really the director. Vice versa happens as well. That'll mean vice, vice versa also happens. So, you know, I'm always aware there's three sides to every story. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, yours, mine, and the truth. But, huh. you know, if, you know, just be aware that if you have something in your resume and shit went down, that possibly that's going to come up. When so one colleague calls a colleague to uh, you know find out about that person. So what's my point? My point is you do everything you possibly can to carry yourself with great integrity throughout the process. If you've done that, and even if there was an unpleasant uh, encounter, that will out. That right. that it'll be very clear in my conversation with that director about you if that was them or if that was you. You know what I mean? Or certainly I'll learn enough to give you the benefit of the doubt if in fact. 
you have worked with great integrity. My point is your reputation and your actions really follow. And it, you may think it was a really inconsequential thing. And that is the very thing that's keeping you from getting in the room. Or that's the very thing that's actually accelerating you into rooms where you don't necessarily have the resume to earn being in that room. But right. people talk about you well. Um, so yeah, that goes on a lot. That's very good advice to remember and carry through. I was just having this conversation with somebody uh, yesterday on the podcast. And they said, uh, you know, be kind to yeah. everyone that you encounter. Because first of all, you never know who's who and, and who they will become. And like you said, you know, you never know how somebody is connected to somebody else and they could call out and uh, and reach out and uh, hear a story about you. But it just hel- it, it also helps you not carry that negativity with you or mm-hmm. judgment with you. And I think uh, it's sort of a theme of how you live your life uh, artistically and personally, and I think that that's a, that's a really great place to be. Yeah, thank you. I would say that, you know, go, you know, go see stuff. I mean, I guess those specifically who are in the bigger markets like New York, Chicago, L.A., D.C., and elsewhere, you know, go see, go, just go, you know. And for young artists, you guys are really savvy. Uh, there's always a ticket. <laughs> yeah. There's always a way to get a comp or a discount ticket. Go see the craft. Uh, you learn from it, especially the the mediocre to quote unquote bad stuff. You learn more from watching that than the the stuff that really floats your boat. Mm-hmm. And then specifically, you know, you just be seen. You know, you'll run into other theater artists. You'll start talking. You'll start networking immediately. And on the occasion when you get to go to opening night or go to a preview where the director is there, the playwright, whomever, and if the opportunity presents itself, especially if it's a kind of an opening night, you know, there's usually a reception. You know, in a in a humanistic way, find the opportunity to go up, introduce yourself. Don't sell just hi love your work love the show Uh, i'm an actor i'm inspired by this see if that opens up a conversation sometimes it will and sometimes that'll be it and so so be it um but, but it's amazing how fast things happen just by being in the room to, you know, once again, uh, uh, allude to Hamilton lyric. It is so true, especially in the, in the theater, how fast things happen for people. Just being in the room, just meeting people, even over a hello, you'd be amazed at how you make an impression and not even know it. And they might not say anything to you, but they will talk to you about someone else. Oh, I met, I met a young person last night. Or the next conversation they have, Director to director, hey, I just lost an actor, or I'm having trouble casting a particular role. Um, this is the description. Know anybody? Well, I just met someone last night. I don't know their work, but they seem like they would fit that bill. Right. That happens all the time. I can't tell you how many people I got introduced to that way and how many of them I've cast. Wow, so true. Be who you is. Be, <laughs> pleasant, be pleasant. Go to the theater. You're off and running. Fantastic. Uh, Timothy, are there any books that you uh, have found to be truly inspirational that you would recommend to actors? When I was in the midst of my uh, formal training with Kristen Linklater to become a teacher, I was already uh, teaching, uh, you know, at the beginning of my career, but, you know, really going deeper and deeper and deeper into the work. And while I was teaching, I, I, I had a great 
challenge with one of my students. And I, no matter what I tried, I tried everything I knew to get the principle of the, this one principle of the work over to them, but they just weren't getting it. And I got myself very frustrated. So I called Kristen and I, I explained my dilemma and she took me through the list of things from the work. Did you try this, 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 this? Yes, 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 yes. She goes, well, you've done everything you possibly can and you just have to walk away. And I was like, but what, what I, I'm the teacher and I have to, you know, I'm responsible to make sure my students understand and that they get it. And she said to me, she goes, listen, Timothy, it sounds like you've done everything you can. And the thing to remember is you don't have to be right. Mm. That blew my mind. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, no, as long as you felt you've done everything you know to do to give the work over, if it's not received and they have another take on it, so be it. Get off of it. Yeah. Just you don't have to be right. That was so freeing. Yeah, and that, that is so true that there's so much freedom in that humility. And I yeah. think uh, there's also a lot of uh, confidence that you get out of letting the world, whatever it is that you're trying to manipulate in, into something that is your correct vision, letting it be the way that it is. That's exactly it. And, you know, it goes right back to our conversation about the acting process and that stepping thing and like, you know, having an idea, build, building upon that, but recognizing when that's no longer useful and letting it go. And in its place, the next bigger, profounder truth steps in. It's exactly the same thing. Wow. Timothy, thank you so much for sharing your insight, your experience. You are, in my humble opinion, a profound teacher and a profound artist, and I uh, really appreciate your time, and I think uh, our listeners are going to get quite a lot out of this. Well, I appreciate that, Michael, and what I also appreciate, you know, I thank you as well, because I get to hear myself talk out loud, and I do believe everything I'm saying, but it's coming up, something's come up differently, and I have the opportunity to go, oh, I kind of have shifted on that one. Okay, so this was a very much a two-way street, and I thank you very much. Wonderful. Find all the resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes at ActorCEO.com slash 16. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the Actor CEO podcast on iTunes and at ActorCEO.com.